Masechet Ketubot, Daf Hey. Uh, today we're going to focus on the prohibition of having first Bi'ah on Friday night or on Saturday night. I will talk about other nights also, why it's best for an almana to be on Thursday night. And in the middle, we will have some fascinating agada. So we began Amad Mod recording the Braita that we cited yesterday <clears throat> that ended saying, Ben Kach u Ben Kach lo yib'ol, lo be'ayrev Shabbat, ve lo be'mose'e Shabbat. Because no matter what, the first bi'ah should not be on Friday night or on Saturday night. Now we understand, The problem with Friday night is that is in fact Shabbat, and the first bi'ah, she is a bitula, she will bleed, and one is causing a wound. And this is a problem of tolada, um, of shochet, or the Gemara later is going to analyze this in uh, further depth. But the problem is it is in fact on Shabbat and causing, um, uh, uh, causing an injury of some sort. But on Saturday night, what's the problem? What's wrong? Uh, Saturday night is not Shabbat. So what's the problem here? Oh, the problem is making calculations. Uh, the idea here is that um, the wedding also, the wedding celebration is also on Saturday night. Uh, so therefore, if they did the wedding, let's say beforehand during the week, after all, they're supposed to, be, they're supposed to do it on, um, on Wednesday. And uh, the first bi'ah should have been on Wednesday night. But for whatever reason, let's say they did not consummate their marriage then, and now it's Saturday night. In that case, this seems that this would not be a problem because it's not made, they're not making any celebration. There is a Tosafot that says uh, that they may, may have been accustomed to actually make a celebration for the first bi'ah. Um, seems uh, quite interesting. Uh, but in any case, it would, uh, uh, with, if you don't say that, then we're, we're not talking about that case. But rather, we're talking about a case where the actual wedding celebration Celebration is on Saturday night, and in that case, on Shabbat, one's going to make calculations. How many people are coming? How many guests? Is 200 guests coming? How much food do we need? How many waiters do we need? How much drinks? And all that. And so therefore, since making calculations on Shabbat is a problem, because then you're going to come to write it down, that's why uh, that's why we do not permit the first Biyah on Saturday night, meaning when the wedding also is going to be, the wedding celebration is also going to be on Saturday night or some kind of celebration uh, surrounding that first bi'ah. Okay, so that's the first answer of the bi'zerah, but we're going to reject it. Uh, and he's going to offer a second one. Um, uh, calculations that have to do with a mitzvah, are those prohibited on Shabbat? Both said. You are allowed to make calculations that are for a good purpose, for a, that um, help fulfill a commandment. You can do them even on Shabbat. Of course, not with writing them down, uh, but you can do them in your head. And it's permitted. Here's a few examples. You can allocate charity funds to the poor on Shabbat. And you say, you know, this person, oh, he needs, uh, he needs some meals. This person needs this much money. Uh, again, we don't write it down. We don't give them the money on Shabbat. But we can make the calculation of the total budget and what we're going to give each person. This is also why, you know, nowadays you can get an aliyah and you can make a donation. We can make... Um, 
fundraising drives on Shabbat for um, for for charities uh, for Sedaka. Furthermore, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, who said that one can go to Bet Knesset and to Bet Midrash, obviously you go there for Shabbat, for prayer and for study, but not only that, also if there is some communal need that needs to be discussed, uh, one can go there and have a meeting for the communal need, even if it will involve, uh, involve uh, you know, we need to um, uh, build something, uh, what's the money that will, it will involve this for, if it's for the need of the community, that's permitted to discuss that on Shabbat. Also, one is allowed to supervise matters of saving life on Shabbat. If you have to raise money to uh, save someone who is uh, captured or who is who needs um, uh, who needs a surgery, and you have to raise money, that is permitted. It's kind of like, of course, you can. This will be pikuach nefesh. There are some manuscripts that have, that say pikuach rabim. Um, so that would be uh, more expansive, although we already said Isker Abim. Uh, it's about half the manuscript, so not clear which one's correct, but it would uh, uh, seem to include both no matter how you read it. This is a fascinating line that says one is allowed to go to theaters and circuses. It's talking about Greco-Roman. Uh, this is Roman times, but the Romans got these things uh, also from the Greeks that had them. Uh, so theaters and circuses. Theaters where usually they'd put on plays of different sorts and circuses where they well, would also also put on shows or have uh, perhaps even gladiator fights um, or other sporting events. One is allowed to go to these places uh, even on Shabbat in order to supervise matters that have to do with the public. Uh, so we know about this not only from Talmudic sources but also from Roman sources that oftentimes the um, emperor or the governor, the, of the, the Roman governor, would, um, would come and he would attend these events. He would attend the, the plays or attend the sporting events. And it was important while he was there, the people often used the opportunity to rally and to ask for uh, lower taxes or whatever the issue of the day was. And so if the Jewish people needed something that was important for the welfare of the community, then they had to go and uh, be there on Shabbat, even though otherwise it wouldn't be appropriate. There's a question whether it's appropriate to go to these places even during the weekday. A lot of times there was, um, you know, the opening ceremony would be idolatry, like for the Olympics. Um, and also gladiatorial fights would involve a lot of violence and murder that you're paying for to enter. Um, but it seems that there were a lot of Jews that went during the week anyway, and uh, the, the rabbis uh, tried to uh, give some merit to why it might be a good thing to go. For example, if it's a Jewish gladiator who dies, that way they could testify that the guy died. Uh, his wife could get remarried. But anyway, this is for a different matter. This is for uh, going uh, as, as to the part of it that's going to be a rally that will, um, or uh, some discussion that will be about communal things. Uh, one is permitted to do that on Shabbat. Betana menashya. One could do matchmaking on Shabbat 
um, even though the shiduch will be, be arrangements, you know, uh, what are you going to pay for? What am I going to pay for? All this is for a mitzvah so that the children will be able to get married. Tinok doesn't mean a baby. It means, um, it can also mean a, a young person. And also, even on Shabbat, you can arrange for a tutor to come to uh, teach uh, his uh, child Torah or teach him a craft. Uh, and so you can say, listen, you know, can you come on Tuesday and teach him? Because this is also a mitzvah. A father is responsible not only for teaching Torah, but also for teaching a trade to the to his son. So all these, um, of course, all this was without violating any deodaita in any of these cases. Not like we can you know, travel to the... Uh, uh, or carry something to the circus or anything like that, but just in terms of the prohibition of making calculations, which normally is prohibited because of vedaber zabad, you can't think about business matters, um, and also you may come to to write if you actually uh, um, uh, perform business on Shabbat. But for these purposes, these are good 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 causes. It is permitted, and so therefore, why do we quote all this? Coming back to our uh, our uh, idea, if one would make a wedding and permit be a first be if one would permit first be uh, on Shabbat on Saturday night, uh, along with the, um, the 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 celebration that would accompany that a wedding celebration, uh, then what are you afraid of? That on Shabbat itself, you're going to be thinking about. Uh, the cal- calculations of how much food you're going to need and how much you have to buy and how much it's going to cost, that's okay. A wedding is a mitzvah. So it's permitted to do that on Shabbat. So that's not the problem. Okay, so second answer. The problem is that you may slaughter a young bird. Why a young bird? I mean, you might slaughter an animal or a big bird also. Uh, but that's less likely because to bring an animal or a big bird, it takes a lot of work. And by the time you do all that, you can say, wait, it's Shabbat. I'm not allowed to do this, right? Someone will stop you. Um, but if it's a young bird, it's very easy. It's very soft, very weak. You could just take it in, in, in 10 seconds. Uh, you take a knife and do shechita, and then you'll only then realize, oh, no, it's Shabbat. But you're so anxious because you have to make a big meal. On Saturday night, so you may come to violate Shabbat by killing this um, chick. All right. Amar le Abaye, ele matem kipurim shachaliot besheni beshabbat, idache gezra shema ishot ben off. Abaye challenges it be zera. Says if you're going to worry about every time that there may, may be a big meal that uh, is necessary after Shabbat, then is always going to be a problem. For example, if Yom Kippur is on Monday, meaning Sunday night, so that means there's a mitzvah to already eat all day on Sunday, right? You have to eat a lot. And so if, if Yom Kippur would fall out on Monday, maybe we should push it off. Now, obviously, you can't push off Yom Kippur. It's Yud Tishrei. You can't make a Yud Aleph. But what we can do is adjust the calendar so that Rosh Hashanah will be an extra, uh, Elul will be an extra day. We could push off Rosh Hashanah and thereby push off Yom Kippur. So we can arrange the calendar so that Yom Kippur will never will never fall out. It can never fall out on Sunday because you can't have Shabbat and Yom Kippur back to back because there's no time to prepare a meal before Yom Kippur. Uh, so, but even if it's on that can't be on Sunday. But even on Monday. Maybe I'll say we should prohibit it because maybe on Shabbat you're going to be saying, oh, I have to make a big meal for to prepare for the fast. And then you're going to also come to kill a young bird on Shabbat because you're preparing for Yom Kippur on Sunday night. 
And we answer, no, it's not the same. In that case, one is only preparing food for oneself uh, or your own family. It's only a few people. So you're not as anxious because you know there'll be enough time on Saturday night and on Sunday to prepare the meal. Whereas with the wedding celebration, you're preparing food for the whole, for lots of friends and family, dozens of people. And there, you're very anxious to have time to prepare everything. And there, we're more worried that you may come to preempt and start preparing on Shabbat itself. Also, there's another difference in how much time there is. If you're making a wedding on Saturday night, then you only have a couple of hours uh, to prepare from the time Shabbat is over until the guests are going to start arriving. Whereas if uh, for um, Yom Kippur, you have the whole night and the morning, and that's, that's okay. You just have to have the meal ready uh, in time for the afternoon of sun, uh, Sunday afternoon when you're going to make the fast. Okay, so therefore, Abaye's uh, question, uh, challenges are answered. Alright, Now we note that once we have this reason that we're worried that we're going, we, we may um, actually kill a young bird on Shabbat itself to prepare for the celebration, that reasoning would also apply to Erev Shabbat. If Erev Shabbat was scheduled to be the first bi'ah, meaning, let's say, the wedding would be on Friday. And so now the uh, celebration, they're going to combine Friday night meal with a uh, um, with a wedding celebration. And now you, we see the guests. Oh, there's a lot of guests coming. They're eating a lot. So you may come to take a young bird and do shechita on Shabbat. And that itself would be a good reason not to make a wedding on Friday and the first bi'ah on Friday night. Uh, we already had the reason of Chabura, but actually we're going to see in the end of this daf that there's a lot of questions about is uh, is this Chabura, is this really uh, uh, prohibited or permitted? Depends on a lot of uh, conditions. And so this would be an additional reason why bi'ah would be problematic on Friday night. All right, now we have a question. What's the exact timing here? If we have a wedding on Wednesday, we have to assume that weddings, ceremonies and celebrations would be during the day because at night it's dark and they didn't have lights. Uh, so that would be very expensive to have to light something up with lots of lamps. So the wedding celebration and the ceremony and celebration is going to be Wednesday during the day or the afternoon. And then uh, if you can you do bi'ah also on Wednesday afternoon after the wedding while it's still light out. I know there's a problem of a bi'ah during while it's light out, but it could be in a room and you close the shades. It's okay. So is that permitted? And according to that, we do not worry that the husband's mind will cool down, meaning if they have the first bi'ah and he doesn't find blood, no dam betulim. And so now he's upset uh, uh, right away. He's upset. What's going on? I paid 200. I promised you 200 zoos. I thought you were a betula. Now you're not. He's ready, all uh, zealous. He wants to go to the, to take her to court. And, and we want him to go to court because we want the court to resolve it. Here's the problem. If it's too early during the day on Wednesday, the court's not open yet till all the way th on Thursday morning. So by that time, he may cool down and say, you know what? Ah, forget about it. I don't care. 
But this is a problem. We want him to care because maybe she was unfaithful in the meantime, since the Kiddushin until now, and maybe they, they can't uh, be together. So according to this, we don't worry that he's going to cool down. Right? It's just it's only uh, a few more hours, and so it's permitted. Or the other side, yes, you make the wedding on Wednesday during the afternoon, uh, during the day or afternoon, but then it should be, you should wait till nighttime, Wednesday night, which is Yom Hamishi, in order to do the Bi'ah. Why? Because we do worry that he, if you wait too long, he will cool down. And so therefore, if they have Bi'ah sometime during the night, and he finds that there's no dam, then he'll be really upset and he'll come to court first thing on Thursday morning, which is only a little bit after. And um, and so we, we'd rather he delay the bi'ah till the night so that he will not have time to cool down. That's the question. And we have an answer. Tashema detane bar kapara. Remember bar kapara? He is a, um, he's between the Tanaim and Amoraim, Ador HaMa'avad, a transition uh, um, Tana Amora. He uh, lived and taught in Kesaria. And he's going to be important because we're going to see a whole bunch of Agadot by him. So he says, Betulani said, In fact, you make the wedding on Wednesday, and then the first Bi'ah should be on Wednesday night, Yom Hamishi. But here's the thing, he doesn't say the reason is because he may cool down. He gives a different reason altogether because during the six days of creation on Yom Hamishi is when the birds and fish were created. And it says, And Hashem says, um, And so the special beracha of be fruitful and multiply is on Thursday. And therefore, we want them to have the first be on Thursday so that they should be ve'idgu, ladov, so that they should be like the, like the fish and have many children. Uh, so that's, that's the reason. Okay, that's a very nice agadah that Barakapadah slash halacha that Barakapadah said. Now, Amanani said, And Barakapadah further taught that in Almana, someone who's already married, she's a widow, she should get married on Thursday during the day, and the Bi'ah should be Thursday night, which is Yom Shishi, because Yom Shishi is when mankind, animals too, but even more importantly, human beings were also blessed, and says, Good. So both of those both of those nights are are good, and therefore Wednesday during the day not the best time for bi'ah. Now we know tama mishum berachav The reason barakapara gives is because you want to have, get get the beracha of the fish, so that's why better to be on Wednesday night and not during the day. But he otherwise he wouldn't be concerned with the cooling off period. So this is not uh, we don't worry about the cooling off. So ironically, even though the source says. You should get mad. You should have the first bi'ah at Wednesday night, Yom Hamishi, because it gives a different reason to prove that we don't worry about cooling off because of those few extra hours. Now we ask, If, according to your reasoning here, that uh, the blessing of fish is so wonderful, how come we don't say an almana also should have the first bi'ah on Wednesday night on Yom Hamishi or during the day on uh, whatever thing. It doesn't matter. Anytime on Yom Hamishi when there, there is the blessing of fish. And the answer is the blessing for human beings is nice, is better. Right? Which would you rather? Hashem's blessing 
by the way, this is you notice that this uh, the blessing the pidur vu is as understood here as a blessing, not as a commandment. Um, so wouldn't you rather the blessing for human beings rather than to be fruitful like a fish? So that's why better for almana to be uh, Thursday night or fri- uh, Friday, Yom Shishi. Okay, another reason for almana for being uh, almana, uh, first bi'ah being on Yom Shishi and Thursday night is because the rabbis were, uh, uh, were uh, diligent. Diligent in making sure that the husband would be with his with his widow wife for at least three days. Uh, for bitula, he has to be with her and not go to work for seven days. But for almana, that's not the case. So the rabbis wanted to make sure, um, diligent that this would happen. So the rabbi said, how come you make the wedding on Thursday during the day and then the bi'ah will be on uh, Thursday night, Friday, Yom Shishi? Because if you would say that they should um, have bi'ah the, on any time on Yom Hamishi, then the machal mashkim Wednesday night, and then in the morning on Thursday, he'll be like, okay, I did my, uh, did my duty, and now I'm going to go to work. And he's not going to stay with his wife, his new bride. So, uh, you know, a, a second marriage is not as, as uh, exciting, so he's just going to go to work. So, but the rabbi said, no, even though it's a second marriage, still, you have to pay her exclusive attention for at least three days. And so, uh, they were worried about the daughters of Israel. She has sameach. At least three days. So that if they have the wedding on Thursday during the day, so he's not going to work, he's with her all day, all day on Wednesday. And then since he's doing uh, Friday night, sometime on uh, 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 Thursday night rather, so or sometime on Friday, and Friday anyway is a short day of work, and you have to prepare for Shabbat, so most people aren't working on Friday out of Shabbat, so then he's not going to go to work then, and Shabbat, he's not going to work, so you have three days, and then, okay, Sunday he'll go back to work, but at least we got three days in. So there's really two reasons why uh, Mana should uh, have do the Bi'ah on Thursday night on Yom Shishi. What you see in this Talmud is probably originally, I mean, as we saw before, this is probably a very old halacha of Betulah as on Yom Revi'i, Almana Yom Chamishi, and there are multiple reasons uh, that are eventually given um, in, in, uh, uh, over, the, over the course of centuries uh, to explain this old halacha. What we see here is that both of these reasons are coming together, and so that's why the Gemara is trying to, um, uh, to uh, resolve the, uh, the, the tension between them, and, or rather just um, say it could be this or it could be that also. So there are multiple reasons for these old customs. Okay, what would be a practical difference between these two reasons for an almana to be on Yom Hamishi? Uh, whether it's because of the blessing or because we want to make sure that he doesn't go to work. Let's say you have someone who's unemployed. Uh, he's retired. So in that case, he's not going to go to work anyway. So he can make the wedding and have the bi'ah any day of the week. Don't worry. He's going he's gonna to be with his wife and stay with her all, every day all year long. And so for, for him, the only, only the beracha reason would apply. And still would, so he still should say, uh, get, um, uh, to have the bi'ah on Yom Hamishi. 
uh, or rather get married on, on Yom Shamishi and then Bi'ah would be on Yom Shishi. In Yom Tov Shabbat, or another similar case that would apply to everyone, is if you have Yom Tov on Yom Shishi on Friday, which means it starts Thursday night. So already Thursday, everyone is preparing for the holiday. They're not going to work on Thursday. And so in that case, since you're not going to work anyway on Thursday, you could have the Bi'ah on Wednesday and you still have three days where of not going to work Thursday, Friday, Shabbat. And so that would be a case where if it was only because of not going to work, you could make it a day earlier. But if it's because of the Beracha, then you still want to uh, make sure that it, it will be on Yom Shishi in order to receive that Beracha. All right, Darash Bar Kapara. Now that we mentioned Bar Kapara, we're going to mention a couple of other Derashot, very beautiful Derashot that he said. It's an astounding statement that the works of righteous people are greater than Hashem's works in creating the heavens and the earth, right? A, a Sadiq's work is, is better, more impressive. Why does he say that? Uh, here in uh, Yeshaya says, My hand, singular, Hashem's one hand made the foundation of the earth, and his right hand, only his right hand, made the heavens. So you see, God made the earth and the heavens only with one hand, meaning easy to do. Regarding the works of righteous people, it says, the place that you have that you have made for yourself to dwell in, Hashem, the sanctuary, your hands have established. Now, this is a bit of a difficult reading because the Peshat is that we're still talking about Hashem's creation, where uh, this is in Az Yashir, we're addressing Hashem and saying, you know, what a great thing that you, the, you made a holy place, meaning the land of Israel. Um, but nevertheless, it does talk about the Mikdash, so Mikdash, not just holy place, but the Bet HaMikdash, which is created by human beings. Um, and so the word Ziyadecha here, about Kapara, takes to refer to the Sadiqim, who build the Bet HaMikdash and other uh, good things that they do in the world. And here it does two hands, which means it is a more impressive work. This uh, Dirasha reminds me of what Rabbi Sachs says, said to Tony Blair when he asked him, you know, what about, about the boring bits, meaning the whole chapter after chapter about building the Mishkan. And Rabbi Sachs notes that when, when Hashem creates a, a home for human beings, it's all said in only one chapter, Genesis 1. But for man to create a home for God to dwell in this world, there you need dozens of chapters because that's such a, so much more impressive. So... That's a similar idea here to what Bar Kapara says. Okay, Heshi Bavli Ehad, behind this Tirasha also might be a kind of interesting play on um, uh, man's works and God's works uh, that the righteous, the acts that the righteous do are in a way, they, they are um, agents or messengers of God's uh, acts. And so therefore, the, the ambiguity of the Pasuk, that what it says, Hashem, you create these things that you did, and Barakapada is taking them as what the righteous do, right? The righteous are kind of extensions of uh, God's will in the world. And I think you see that in the next Dirasha also. So a certain Babylonian who was a Bichiyah, Bichiyah, an early Amora that originally came from Babel, 
and then moved to Eretz Yisrael. And uh, he note, notes that in Tehillim, it says um, uh, the land, his hands, Yadav, plural, Yasaru, created. So uh, what do you mean, Bar Kapara, that Hashem used only one hand? Here it says both hands Hashem made to create the earth. And Bar Kapara can answer, even though we pronounce it Yadav, but it's written Yodalid Vav Haser, and so it's, since it's written that way, it could be read also Yado, which is singular. In Aratanach, we actually spell it Male Yodalid Yod Vav, not like the Talmud, but there are a number of discrepancies between uh, the spellings in the noted in the Talmud and the spellings in the Masoretic text, um, but that's a different topic. Okay, hold on, okay, you can't possibly read it yado, because the verb is a plural verb, then it's not yasar, but yasaru. Now the plural of created could be going on fingers. One hand has a lot of fingers, so your one hand created in plural because of your fingers that did a lot of all these actions. As it says in Tehillim 8, when uh, looking up at heaven, and I see your heavens, the works of your fingers, the idea of the of the poetry in Tehillim is that it's so very fine, every, the moon and stars, everything is so perfectly painted, like with great care. And uh, you know, a fine, fine brush that not just hands but even fingers. So there, were, there, there is a you see that uh, figure of speech of God's fingers, which would be plural, even if only one hand. Okay, me'tibe. Another challenge to Bakbar Kapara. How could you say God made everything with one hand if here he says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the works of his hands, Yadav plural, Magid Harakia, the firmament proclaims. The Peshat of it is that when we look up at the heavens, right, they proclaim God's great works because we see them and we say, wow, this is so amazing. And we turn to praise Hashem for all the works of creation. So anyway, it says, plural, hands. We explain, Actually, Maseyadav is not referring to Hashem's works, but the actions that Sadiqim do. So Maseyadav, Magid, who will uh, express the greatness of the works of righteous people's hands, it is a rakia whether it rains or not. When righteous people do a good job and do mitzvot and take care of everything, then the rain falls, as it says in Shema. And so therefore, the rakia is actually reflecting on and praising the works of human beings. So I think this continues that theme that I mentioned before, that there's a bar kapara, is, uh, and the gemara here is noting an ambiguity between uh, the works of God and the works of man, that they can be described uh, in similar ways um, as Sadiqim are kind of an agent for God. Okay, Darash Bar Kapara, another Darash Bar Kapara said, Mai dikhti v'yatet yelecha al azenecha. Pasuk in Devarim that says there should be a peg or a, a shovel among your tools. When you go out to war, you should make sure to have a little spade or a little shovel so that when the soldiers, uh, when the, the, the travelers um, have to relieve themselves, they will cover up their se'ah, their excrement. Because God's uh, um, encampment is holy, 
and so uh, part of being holy is to be clean and so among your other tools make sure to have a spade of course, that's the Peshat, but Bar Kapara says, oh, we can reread it another way. Instead of meaning uh, your weapons, you can say meaning your ears. If a person uh, sees that someone is saying something that's inappropriate, and he's going to have to hear something that is inappropriate, like Lashon Hara, or bad words, whatever, he has a Yated. Yated here means a, not a peg, but rather his finger, uh, which is also called yated. Your finger should always be in your ear or ready to put in your ear so that you can not make sure not to hear the, the uh, negative things that a person is saying. Uh, Rambam quotes this as an example of a derasha that the rabbis make that they know very well is not the peshat, but they're using it as a hook, as an asmachta, so you remember it better. Even though uh, even Bar Kapara knows how to read the pasuk correctly, okay. And so Rabbi Elazar also uh, said something similar. He says, "How come a person's fingers are like pegs?" Now we interrupt to say, well, "What do you mean? Why are our fingers like like pegs?" What exactly is he asking? Is he asking how come they're like pegs that we have separate fingers and not like webbed hand webbed hands uh, like uh, reptiles is that what he's asking uh, well we know an answer why we need uh, separate fingers there are halachic reasons for it each and every finger has a halachic purpose when it comes to the pinky you need a, a zedet is a certain measurement that goes from the edge of the thumb to the edge of the pinky that's a zedet that's half an ama so it's a good thing we have a pinky otherwise we wouldn't be able to measure a zedet the fourth finger is used to do when the kohen has to take a fistful of mincha flour he takes uses the three middle fingers and so this is the eh, this is the this is you need this the fourth finger to take the proper amount of flour zo ama the middle finger is necessary to measure an ama which goes from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger uh, which because it's the tallest so if you didn't have the middle finger then you wouldn't measure precisely zo etzba we need the first finger because that's a uh, that's called etzba and that's used um to uh sprinkle blood on uh in various offerings Kohen has to sprinkle the blood he uses his first finger and zogudal and the thumb is used because uh in certain purification rituals uh blood is put on like a misora blood is put on his right thumb and so we need all of these uh, all of our fingers for halachic purposes this really sounds like halachic man literally right it doesn't say that we need uh, a, a thumb so so that we can hold things uh, grab a screwdriver and a hammer right that's besides the point. We need them for halachic reasons. So if that's what uh, Rabbi Al-Azhar was asking, then we have a reason why we need separate fingers. Rather, he meant something else. The question was, how come our fingers um, are pointed like pegs? How come they're wider at the bottom and thinner at the top? It's for this reason, so that if you hear something negative, something improper, you can put your finger in your ear and it'll fit in nicely and uh, block out the bad sounds that one will hear. Or another agada on the same theme. How come the entire ear is hard? It's kind of hard 
it's not very hard, but it's stiff cartilage. Uh, but one part of it, the earlobe, is very soft. So if you so that if you're hearing something inappropriate, you can take your earlobe and bend it uh, into your ear and block out the sound. Brilliant. And now a warning, make sure that to allow your ears to hear idle things, not only negative things, even idle talk, um, because when a person is punished in the fires, uh, the first thing that burns, the most easily burned, are the ears. So make sure that your ears don't sin by hearing uh, nonsense. Okay, end of the agada, and now we get to a last question that we're going to ask. It's a complex, long question, but the answer is only going to come on the next staff. Is one permitted to do first time on Shabbat for a betula. Now, this is a strange question because we already saw there's a braita, it's in the Tosefta, that says it's not allowed. So we know the answer is not allowed. Why are we asking? It seems that the questioner here perhaps didn't know that braita. Not everybody knew every braita. Uh, we see that in, in general. Uh, or maybe it just wants to know, it knows it's prohibited, but wants to uh, pinpoint precisely why it's prohibited. And also, is it true in every case or some cases? So we want to analyze the halachic uh, foundation for this prohibition. Okay, so here's a few uh, possibilities. Dam mifkad pekid or habure mihabar. Regarding the blood that's uh, of the uh, hymenal blood, dam betulim, how, what, how exactly does it work biologically? Is it mifkad? Is it pulled up? Is it um, uh, all in one uh, area? Uh, in other words, uh, thinking of the hymen kind of like uh, this blood stored there. Not that the blood flows through, but this blood stored there, and therefore it's kind of got like a little pouch. And therefore, um, it would just be opening up a pouch, which would be permitted on Shabbat. Or is it like regular blood that's flowing and then when one opens it, it's like making a wound and that would be prohibited on Shabbat. So that's question number one. Now this is going to split into two forks um, either way. If we, if we say like a pool or it's attached and, uh, and therefore it's a wound. So now here's here's one side. If it's pulled up like in a pouch, now what's his goal? The person who's doing bi'ah, the husband who's doing bi'ah for the first time with his wife, does he want to get that blood out? The blood has a good use for him because he wants to to use it as proof. See, she's a bit too loud, he's happy, and he wants to get that blood. And this would be permitted, similar to if you wanted, um, sorry for the analogy, but, uh, you know, like in Israel, they, they sell uh, milk in bags or shoko, you know, that um, uh, a chocolate milk in a little pouch. So you're allowed to open that on Shabbat because even though you're, you're uh, making a hole in the pouch, you want the chocolate milk. So that's permitted. So that's one side. Or maybe when he's doing bi'ah, what he actually wants is a passageway. He wants to, he wants it to make it make it easier for for bi'ah in the future. And in that case, it would be prohibited because either he's building or makebe patish, finishing off a vessel, um, and so he's doing this constructive purpose, uh, which is a melacha. And in that case, it would be prohibited. 
And even if the first one that you say, he just wants to extract the, the blood, he wants the blood itself as, as a good proof uh, that she was a bit and the fact that he's making a passageway is a positive, but that's not his primary intention. Um, and so if so, still we have a question within that. Rabbi Shimon, in general, all of Chot Shabbat, he is more lenient, and he said, if I do an action, and the melacha, my primary intention is not to do the melacha, but rather I have some other intention, like if I'm dragging a chair across the uh, across uh, soft ground. My intention is to get the chair from here to there, and I don't care about the furrow, even though I'm making a furrow. Um, it's because my, it's not my primary intention. So uh, so uh, do we follow him as halacha? And that case would be permitted, since my primary intention is because I want that blood to come out. I want the blood. Um, and my, the secondary intention is that is to make a passageway, but that's called not intentional. If it's only secondary intention, it's permitted. Or do we follow who says that something, even uh, if it's not my primary intention, it still is prohibited. If I'm doing something that is in effect is going to affect a melacha, even if that's not my primary intention, it's still forbidden. In this case, it would be forbidden. And even if we say and uh, something that's not my primary intention is still forbidden. So um, we're making this passageway. Is that a destructive act? And on Shabbat, generally, if it's a destructive act, then it's not chayav. Um, and so what, and what, why would it be a destructive act? Because a betula um, is worth more than a be'ola. Betula gets 200 if she would get married again. Uh, Be'ola only 100. And so this is detracting from her, and so it's destroying. Or do you call this metakin? It's constructive because the husband wants there to be a passageway, so for the future, be'ot. And so this is now making it more more, more easy for future be'ot, and therefore it's constructive and therefore prohibited. Okay, that's all one side. Now going back to the original pool question, So another whole version of this chain of questions. If you say that the blood, in fact, is, uh, flows regularly, it's not a pouch. And therefore, that is making a wound. So now within that, if he wants the blood itself, that's prohibited. Um, uh, he's making he's making a wound and wants the blood. No good. Or maybe his intention is because it's pleasurable. He wants to have a pleasurable experience with the bi'ah, and the fact that he's making a wound is a side point. That's not his primary intention, and therefore it's permitted. And even if you say within that that's for his own pleasure, and the blood is by the way. That's a secondary thing. Shimon. So we thought of Yudah that says a secondary intention is still prohibited, or maybe Halakha is like Rabbi Shimon who says a secondary intention is permitted. And if you say Halakha is like Rabbi Yudah that says it's prohibited, even though it's a secondary intention, nevertheless, even the secondary intention that is destructive because now he's taking a betula, it was worth more, and now beola, and so it's mikalkel, it's destructive and therefore permitted. Or do you say that this is constructive? because 
because he wants there to be a nice passageway for the future. And even if you say it is in fact destructive, do we say that in one, when, was done, when one does a destructive act, we follow the law like Rabbi Yudah or Halacha Rabbi Shimon? Within that, do we follow Rabbi Shimon who says it will be permitted? Okay, so you see why we had to ask this because there's all kinds of permutations and it may make a difference on a particular case um, which way we follow. It may depend on a person's intention or the exact um, uh, biology. And so that's why we have this complex, these complex set of questions, which are very valuable also for uh, learning in general how uh, the laws of Shabbat work. And we'll have to wait till tomorrow to see the answer. Baruch Adonai Lolam. Amen v'amen.